Hello, my friends. Joe here. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. I want to talk to you today about habits. How do we develop good habits? I put up a question on Facebook a number of months ago. What are some topics you want to hear? And I'm slowly working my way through those. Uh, We are working towards one. How do you know when you're not enabling someone but actually helping them? Uh, That'll be coming in the future. Last week, I said I was going to talk about two questions. How does divorce affect children as adults? And how do we build good habits? I only was able to deal with the divorce one. Which incidentally got me a lot of emails. We're going to touch on that for a minute. And then we're going to talk about how do we build good habits moving forward. And we're going to talk about some topics coming up in the future. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, so last week I put up a post about divorce and the effects that it has on adults as children. I received a lot of emails, the most emails I've ever received on the same day that a podcast went up. And I want to read two of them just because I, one of the things that I think people struggle with is when they receive criticism, we, we, we kind of do negative math, right? We, five people tell us that they did... Uh, or that we did something good, but one person criticizes us, it's the one criticism that, that supersedes the five. And and these two emails came in, the reason I'm going to read them is because these two emails came in uh, literally just seconds apart, probably within a minute of each other. The first email starts out, Joe, no greetings and salutations, just Joe, I guess that is a greeting or salutation. I want you to know that I think you're an idiot. Well, thank you very much. You're not the first, probably won't be the last. I just tried to listen to your podcast on the effects of divorce on adults, and I think it's stupid. Of course, my children aren't affected by divorce because I'm not the typical parent. Okay, so here's the thing. It goes on to kind of throw a few invectives at me. It's a very, obviously a very angry person, or a person who's very angry with me, probably because they're very hurt. The divorce is very fresh. Uh... It does say this one line, I can't help that I found true love outside my marriage. Okay, I, I, I just have all sorts of problems with that sentence, but I will say this. That person wanted me to know that they didn't think I was very in tune to what's actually going on, and they did use the killer line, unless you've been there, who are you to judge? Uh, you can't possibly know what my marriage was like or my life now that I've met my one true love, and you don't know the effects it'll have on my children. Obviously, at a scientific level, I have to agree with all of those statements because I don't know you. I, I, you didn't even sign your name. You, you, you signed an initial. I'm going to assume that you listen to this because how else would you have come across the, the episode? But, but here's the thing. Being hurt and calling somebody stupid, that doesn't actually deal with the issues. And so I, there's all sorts of things we could pull from this. Uh, First of all, to anybody out there that's trying to create something, know that people are going to criticize you. People aren't going to like what you have to say. People aren't going to like uh, what you have to write. People aren't going to like all your paintings. My one daughter is a painter, and some of her stuff is very good. Some of it is kind of eh, and some people like it, and some people don't. I tell her all the time, look, if you're going to create something, you're inviting criticism, and it's okay. To the person who took the time to write that email, I do want you to know that I'm sorry for your pain. And I do strongly disagree with you that your divorce won't affect your children. You may mitigate some of that effect by being a fantastic parent. And your ex-wife may mitigate some of those effects by mitigating or mitigate some of those effects by being fantastic parents for certain. But typically there is, there is always a negative effect 
from children going through a divorce with their parents. It's just the way it goes. And I am sorry for your pain. That episode was not designed to give you pain, although I do know that certain things I talk about are going to stir up pain for people. Okay, so I get that email. It's kind of long. It's very direct to the person's dislike, not only for my episode, but for me. And then as I'm done with that, another one comes in. You know, you get the little notification. And this one says, Dear Joe, wanted to let you know that I... I noticed noticed the salutation green there, the deer. Dear Joe, wanted to let you know that I listened to your podcast today on divorce for children and what how it affects them as adults. I thought it was spot on. Of all the things I carried from my childhood, the thing that I carry the most is my parents' divorce. I couldn't explain it when I was a child, and even as an adult, when I think about it, I can't explain it. My inability to connect with my husband, I think, is a direct... Sorry, I misread that. Has a direct connection to my parents' divorce. I felt like my father abandoned us. And she goes on and writes quite a bit of information that I don't need to read here. Mostly because I don't have that person's permission and I don't really feel that would be appropriate. So I'm going to stop there. And and the emails that came in, there were some very kind ones. There were some that were told me I was wrong. Others that called me an idiot. Which, just as an FYI, that never actually helps your case when you have to call someone a name. Uh... But but I want to I want to talk to you the person out there who's thinking about creating something that that happens and so you have to decide what you're going to focus on for the first thirty minutes after I got those emails my brain was kind of like mm, I wonder and I would I actually could quote you the ones that called me an idiot more accurately probably than I could the other ones at first because you have to teach your brain what it's going to focus on you're going to receive criticisms you're going to receive praise and you need a metric outside of that, outside of criticism or praise, to decide if what you're doing is right. You have to have a really clear why. If you have a clear why, criticism or praise isn't going to move you that much. Unless, of course, your why is I want people to like me, in which case probably do something other than create things. Because you're always going to find things. People are always going to find things wrong with what you do. They're always going to be able to find a way to criticize what you do. They're always going to find ways to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not fast enough, or or they'll give you false praise, or they'll give you praise, and if that's your goal, you'll lose motivation to continue moving forward, which actually moves us to the second topic that I want to talk about today, or the actual uh, point of this episode that I want to talk about, which is how do we create good habits? Uh, I was talking to a guy that I went to college with. We were Facebook messaging back and forth. He found the podcast episodes. And he asked me, how does he build good habits? I want to specifically read his question to you. Okay, so my friend wrote, quote, So I have a question for you. Have you ever done anything or do you have any advice on creating good habits and time management? I sit down with my wife and we come up with a game plan for whatever the task is at hand for the week. But sometimes I forget to complete the task and it goes days before I remember, or she reminds me, that I need to get that action completed. Also, my communication and my personal communication effort stinks and I know it and can see it. I really need to work on them. So I want to answer that as, a, as an episode. We're going to do the, the habit one first. The communication one, I, I feel like I have a, a pretty large body of work out there on that. We can talk about a few of those things. One of the things is the he's not uncommon. I can't tell you how many people I talk to, how many clients I have. Now, most of my, most of my therapy is, is relationship therapy, but then I have a run of individual clients uh, who are all trying to figure out life, trying to figure out how to do life better, how to move forward better in their processes. And one of the things that I run into relatively regularly is people like, okay, so I'll set up a plan on Sunday and it all falls apart. 
how do I create good habits? And so one of the things that I consistently do is I refer people to Charles Duhigg's seminal work, The Power of Habit. Uh, If you haven't read that book and you like to read, I highly recommend it. Pick it up, read it, implement the strategies that he talks about in there, and you will develop better habits. Now, I want to talk to you about what I tell my clients, and if I were to write a book, these are kind of some of the processes that I would put into the book. Where Duhigg takes a scientific approach, I tend to take a more pragmatic approach, which he does as well, In the, certainly at the end of the book. I want to talk to you about how do you do it. So what I want you to do, if, you're, if you want to build better habits, the first thing you need to do is you need to take a self-assessment. What are the, where are the areas, where are the places in your life that you need to build better habits? And what are those habits? So the self-assessment is two things. Where are, the, where are the areas that you need to build better habits? And then two, what are those habits that you need to do? Be specific. Take time to write those down. I actually do this relatively regularly. I, I do it probably once every three months, um, at most once every four months, where I will sit down and I will write, okay, what's going on in my life? What am I hoping to accomplish? And what are the areas that I need to have better habits in? Okay, so once you have evaluated your life for the, okay, what's going on? What am I trying to accomplish? Where do I need to improve my habits? And what do those habits look like? And you've written those down. So in other words, uh, let's say that you decided you needed to, you wanted to write a book. And writing a book requires regular writing. So you're like, okay, one of the habits that I need to develop is I need to write for an hour a day, three days a week. Okay, You don't have to plan yet. You're not in the planning stage yet. What I want you to do, though, is you need to understand that writing three hours a week gets you a book. So if you write three hours a week or one hour a day, three hours a week, that in X amount of weeks, I should be able to have a book. We'll just say for for sake of simplicity, we'll say 52 weeks, I should be able to have a book. Because that would be, what, 156 hours? You should be able to write a book in that amount of time. Eh, Maybe a little bit more. Whatever. Then I need you to write down one of the most key aspects of good habit building. What is the emotional payoff to doing this? What is the emotional payoff to writing the book? What is the emotional payoff to making sure that you write for one hour three times a week? And this has to be about emotions, not goals, emotions. Write down what the emotional payoff is. So it might be the emotional payoff is I will feel like I accomplished something. A couple of years ago when I decided I needed to lose some weight and I wanted to change how I ate and the exercise patterns that I engaged in, I wrote out 12 emotional payoffs to accomplishing those goals, to doing them. 12 emotional payoffs to changing how I ate, to changing how I exercised. I mean, everything from I want to be able to walk my daughters down the aisle. That is an emotional payoff. I want to be able to stand at my son's wedding. I want to be able to play with my grandchildren. I want to be able to play regularly with my kids. And if I stay in this unhealthy pattern, I won't be able to. I want to travel with my wife as we age. And if I stay in an unhealthy pattern, I won't be able to. Emotional payoffs give us a why. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to accomplish this? So for my friend, he and his wife are sitting down on a Sunday night and they're coming up with a plan for the week. I'd have all sorts of questions for him. He's not a client and I can't bill his insurance because he lives in another state. That's a bit of a therapist joke there. But I would want to know, okay, so why are you picking these habits? Why are you picking these behaviors and saying, yes, you'll do them? Is it because your wife wants you to do them? That might be the emotional payoff. If I do this, my wife will be happy. 
Happy wife, happy life. If you're a wife and you have a husband, if I do this, my husband will be happy. Happy spouse, happy house, right? That might be the emotional payoff. But if you don't have an emotional payoff to why you want to make a change, the chances that you'll actually change your behavior are pretty slim. One of the things that I want to do is I want to increase my speaking, uh, my public speaking, speaking engagement in society. So I, I have to know the why. So I wrote out my my emotional payoffs to that. Why am I going to give up more time in my schedule to do these things that are required to succeed? Because success, whether it's you want to change a habit of how you save money or you want to create a habit of regularly engaging in a public speaking venue, it requires sacrifice of something because we're all busy. I kind of laugh whenever I meet somebody like, oh man, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just sitting around Occasionally, I, you know, I pick my nose and, and I rub my fingers in my ears and I, I like to rub my fingers over my teeth and my, my thumbnail and, and make weird noises, you, you know, like we used to do in elementary school. No, everybody's busy. So it's not about busy. You're not creating, you're not failing to create good habits because you're busy. You're failing to create good habits because you're not intentional. And so we have to bring a level of intentionality to our behaviors. And that happens by starting with, I want to do this and here's my emotional payoff to it. You might take some time and imagine what your life will be like if you accomplish this habit. Uh, Workout gurus have been doing this for decades. They sell the books and in the beginning of the book, they almost always have you write out, what would your life look like if you were to follow my system and lose blah, blah, blah. What would your relationships look like if you accomplished this habit? What would your personal life look like? How would you feel about yourself? These are all different questions that you could answer to come up with your emotional payoff. Once you have your emotional payoff down, then you have to write out a plan. The habit that I want to do is this. Here's the emotional payoff. Here's what doing the habit looks like. So if you want to write, we're going to stick with that one. I'm going to write Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for one hour each day. Okay, now that's what you're going to do, but you have to consider other things. What about location? For instance, writing at my offices can be very difficult for me because people have questions. It's my place of employment. People come, they say, hey, what about this? You know, there are people that answer to me and I answer to them. And so we have questions and conversations. So often I'll go to coffee shops to write. But if I go to the same coffee shop too often, I'll get to know people and I'll start talking to them. Because while I'm an introvert, I'm not shy. So I rotate the coffee shops that I go to to write at. Or I pick an office where there isn't anybody else at as my time to write. So I answer questions like for something like this. What do I want to do? That's one hour. Where am I going to do it? Location. And then when? What time am I going to do it? I try to schedule that in. I don't do well writing in the middle of the afternoon. I either write better at night or in the morning. So my writing time is is blocked out for morning or night. For you, it could be a host of things. Working out. I can work out. If I work out in the morning or the early afternoon, I'm okay. If I go much later than that, I don't really feel like I get a very good workout in. I'm not as motivated. Now, I can do it. I can make myself do it for a short amount of time. But if I really want to get maximum return on my investment of time, I schedule morning and afternoon. On the day that I'm recording this episode, I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the gym. It's technically a scheduled off day. But I did pack my bag so that I'm ready because one of the things that I want to do is as opportunities present, if you looked at my little chart of building a good habit, one of the things that I have in there is opportunities present themselves. 
I want to take advantage of them when I can. So I have my bag, it's packed, it's ready to go. But if I don't make it to the gym today, I'm okay because it's not part of my plan. And that's important because after we come up with what we're going to do, our emotional payoff and what that looks like. So I have a plan down to like when I go to the gym, there's some days I work on certain muscle groups. There's some days I do cardio. There's some days that I do active recovery. That's usually when I'm working out very very aggressively a number of days over a week. I'll do what's called active recovery. Uh, But then the metrics, how are you going to measure it? That's really important. What is success? Right, I'll talk to people and they'll be like, well, you know, last year, we want to save more money this year. Okay, cool. How much did you save last year? Well, nothing. Okay, then put a dollar in your savings account and now you've saved more money. Congratulations. By the way, that'll be whatever your copay is. Well, obviously that isn't what they mean. They have a bad goal. They have a bad goal for a habit. What they really mean is I want to have a habit of saving. Okay, cool. What would that look like? Well, maybe I could save 5% of my paycheck every Every, every time. Okay. So what's the emotional payoff to that? If you were able to do that for a year, what would be the emotional payoff to that? And then what's the plan? Okay. Well, the plan is I'm going to sign up for XYZ online savings account. I'm going to set up an automatic withdrawal right from my, my home checking account into that savings account. And I'm just going to let it run. Perfect. Now what's the metrics? Well, for that one, it's pretty simple. Their goal is I'm going to save up every other week. So 26 weeks, I'm going to make 26 deposits into the account. Awesome. And then they've got it set. Now that's not really a habit because they can set that and forget it. A habit might be, I'm going to send out a encouragement note to somebody twice a month to two different people every month. You're going to need a habit for that. You're going to need to set up some sort of reminder. So there are things that I want to get done that I set up reminders on my phone. There are other things. I've used the Evernote system. If you've been on my YouTube channel, I made an entire episode on how to set up Evernote to be useful for task management. I might set up a reminder on my Evernote to do something. And when that reminds me, then I need to do it. But the more forethought, the more prep time I can put into it, the better. So nutrition is an important thing for me, making sure that I eat properly because when I don't plan it, I don't eat properly. Whoever came up with Reese's peanut butter eggs, I both love and hate you, sir or madam, because I love the taste of those, but they're terrible for me. They're just not good for me, but man, they taste so good, right? And if I don't have a plan, I'm likely to eat that. So yesterday I spent time in the morning. I went to the store and I bought healthy snacks to keep at my office Because if I don't have healthy snacks, I eat unhealthy snacks. And one of my habits that I want to continue to build is eating healthy snacks. So how do you measure your new habit? How do you measure success? Let me make a suggestion. It's about movement, not total success or total failure. In other words, if your goal is to do something that you've never done before, and over the next month, you achieve... uh, you achieve half of what you set out to do, certainly root into why you didn't achieve the other half, but celebrate that you did half of what you set out to do, which is a lot more than you did it last month or last year if you've never done it before. You're creating movement. One of the things that discourages people is they look at failure like it's permanent or they look at they have to be perfect. 
Let's just say you wanted to create a habit of talking to your spouse in a more kind way, in a more uplifting way. You wanted to be a better communicator, a better listener. So you wrote out the emotional payoff to that, what that would look like. You wrote out a plan and one of those was you bought my book and you read my book. You watched my YouTube channel. You listened to the podcast. You bought some other books on communication. You watched some YouTube videos. You decided, okay, I'm learning, right? That's part of the process. And then for, for a week, you and your spouse had interactions that were good. And then on day seven, things went sideways. Boom, fire, explosions. A lot of people quit in that moment because they're like, well, I failed. I tried it and it didn't work. That isn't how change works. Building good habits is a process. So look for movement. Look for things that you're engaging in that are moving you in the right direction. You're going to have failures. You're going to have missteps. Once you have these in place, then you have to decide how often are you going to check in on yourself? Are you going to invite someone else to check in on you? In other words, are you going to have someone that, that holds you accountability, uh, accountable, an accountability partner, or is it just going to be you and yourself? How are you going to, to create a responsible accountability system? So one of the things that I did in order to launch myself into eating healthy was I went public with my idea that I wanted to eat one apple a day for 100 days, and I wanted to work out once a day for 100 days. And I put it on Facebook and I would check in. And there were people that made fun of me for checking in. I was so glad to know where you're at. Okay, well, that's great because what you don't understand is has nothing to do with you. What it has to do with is if I put this up there, people are going to ask me, hey, how's your 100 workouts in 100 days going? How's your 100 apples in 100 days going? And like the workout one, I had to restart it. One of the things that I had decided as part of the plan was no matter what day I was at, if I, if I missed, it reset to zero. So one time I made it to day 24 and I missed. The next day, I didn't do day 25. I restarted at zero. So it was my first workout for the 100 days. And what happened was there was the little community of people that I could not have guessed who they would have been before I started. I figured that there would be some people, but who it would be, I didn't know who literally would check in with me. Hey, how's your workouts going? They'd send me encouragements. They'd send me little messages. Friends of ours who own an apple farm brought me a bag of these apples that are amazing, ever something. They're amazing. They brought me these bag of apples. And, and what, what it did was is it brought other people into my circle to help me achieve my habit. So you have to decide how regularly are you going to check in. Now for me, on the apple, I would check in every day, every night, every morning, uh, at the very latest, the morning for the day before, I would check off. I wrote out a little, and it, it wasn't fancy. It was literally just a sheet in one of my moleskins. I wrote the month, and then I'd write the day, and next to it, I'd put a check. Actually, it was it was the month, the day, and then the number of apples that that was. So April 15th, one, April 16th, two, April 17th, three. And I would just put a little check next to it. And I would go back and I would reread my emotional payoffs to what I was trying to accomplish. There are still times that I go pull that list out and read it. For some people, like like if you wanted to lose weight, I'm always nervous when people tell me, well, my goal is to lose weight. I'd rather hear about process goals, but maybe your doctor said, hey, look, you need to lose 30 pounds, whatever. Then you're not going to check in on that every day. That's not going to be a good metric. That's not going to be a good way to check in. That's probably going to create discouragement. So you're going to check in maybe once a week, maybe once every eight days, 10 days, something like that. Checking in every day is probably not going to be healthy. 
but you do want to decide how often are you going to check in. And one of the things that I did with the Facebook that I talked about was as I checked in, I created uh, triggers to get me moving. And so you need to decide what are going to be the triggers that get you moving. As I'm sure you remember, we've talked about it a lot on this show. Change happens when we know where we want to go. We know what the necessary behaviors are and we make systematic changes to how we engage our daily life that push us towards that change. And these triggers can be anything. Maybe you ask somebody, hey, check in with me regularly. Maybe you set up something on your phone. Maybe you download an app. Maybe you write a list. Maybe you set up a reminder. Whatever it is, you have to have triggers most of the time that will help you remember. For me, like like I said, I wasn't planning on, on, I didn't know who it would be, but I knew if I went public with it, people would ask me and that would motivate me because I'm inter, I'm acting interrelationally with people. I'm acting interrelationally with people. Say that sentence five times real fast. What does that even mean? I'm act, I'm interacting with people in a relational way. There we go. That's probably a better way to say it. What are the triggers that are going to help you achieve what it is that you're trying to achieve? And then you go back to metrics. And now you have a loop set up that you should be able to engage in on a regular basis and come back to engage, go back, engage, go back, engage, go back, engage, go back. Because as you do that, you're starting to set up better habits. Part of the problem with setting up better habits as adults is we already have habits in place and habits, whether they're good or bad, are easy or hard to break most of the time. And people will say, you know, oh, well, bad habits are hard to break. That's true, but so are good habits. It's just an issue of there's only so much time. And we are creatures who are designed to run on routine. And as you run on routine, did you know that, that, that scientists can look at your teeth and tell you where you start brushing? Because the enamel is more, more wore down where you start than where you end. Because you start out pushing harder than you do at the end. We just engage in routines. So we can fight that if we want, or we can use that to set up a system to help us engage better habits. All right, I hope this was helpful. I hope it answered my friend's question. I'm going to message him right now and tell him that it's going to, when it's going to go up. I hope that you found it helpful. If you did, I'd love to hear from you. You can go to joemartino.com, click on the Contact Me page, and shoot me an email. would love to hear from you about that. You can always email us at info at joemartino.com. Please put the word podcast in the subject line. That is a multi-user email account for our company. So if you don't put the word podcast in the subject line, I probably won't see it. I do want to take a moment just to go over a few uh, topics that are in the hopper that are coming uh, in the very near future. We have an episode on hurt, anger, rage, bitterness, contempt, apathy. What happens when we have hurts that aren't processed and how do we move to restoration? We have a very exciting one, at least exciting to me. Uh, called Do the Work, talking about doing the work of life. How do we engage things that are work? How do we engage our work? How do we engage the things that are are, are, are strong? I had a friend who gave a, a talk on that a few weeks ago, and I was like, dude, I need your notes, and I'm going to make it my own, and he was okay with that, so we're, we're excited about that. One that I think might get me a few emails, maybe we need to stop focusing on self-love and focus on love of others. A very interesting truism was presented to me last week, Eh, probably not last week, probably last month. Uh, my days all kind of run together. We've, we have a generation now where we have spent the most time, the most money, the most advertising, the most books on self-love. If I hear one more person say, I just have to be selfish now, I, if, I had, if I had that proverbial nickel for every time I've heard that, 
No offense to you good folks, but I wouldn't be creating a podcast today because I'd be living on a beach in the Bahamas. And yet we have the most anxious, the most, the, the generation most caught up in dislike of themselves. Maybe because we're only giving them half the answer. And in giving them only half the answer, we're actually creating problems. Canal parenting, a term I used a couple months ago. Did you know that they're actually now writing articles like major people, like HBR, it wrote an article on why you should not call your adult child's boss. How in the world have we gotten to that situation? I might talk about my wife's miscarriage in Virginia, the very first miscarriage that she had and the poor leadership that we had leading us at that time at our company. I want to talk about deception, killing intimacy. Anytime you deceive people that you're in love with, you kill intimacy. What name are you living with? That's a topic coming up. Building a habit of truth seeking from the book Thinking and Bets. If you like to read and you want to read a fascinating book, I, rec- I recommend that book. How do I know when I'm helping versus when I'm enabling? That is also coming. So those are some of the topics coming. I actually have a whole list. If there's a topic that you would like me to cover, please reach out to me, let me know, and I will try to cover it. Uh, I usually, quite frankly, try to move them up the list and and cover them as quickly as possible. Some of them require more, a little bit more work, you know, longer script writing process. So we do take that into account as well. Thanks so much for listening. I know you can do anything with this time. I appreciate you sharing uh, some of your life with me. I hope you found this valuable. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.